Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. And welcome to another edition of City A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Garman. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this uh, Tuesday evening? We're back on our Tuesdays. Well, we were on Tuesday last week, so we were. We were. Uh, it's hard to keep track of all these days. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it though? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, uh, uh, we're doing all right. Uh, we're gonna get a little warm up this week. The uh, the some of the golf courses are gonna be open around here for a couple of days. That's how. That's oh. how nice it's gonna be. I don't know how it is out there in D.C. It's been cold uh, today. Has been okay, but it, yeah, it's been. It's been on the cooler side. I don't expect it to be that warm to, for the golf course to be open. But, uh, yeah, it probably can't be as warm as the uh, chat is tonight. They're lively already. Look at that. I love it. Love it. They were Regular waiting for me. I apologize, guys. Uh, just kind of. makeup. <laughs> well, yeah, and just some last-minute uh, last film study also, I got to admit. <laughs> um, when, when you have to cart kids around to sports, and then you have your job, and then you have this, and then you have that, and – all this other stuff for just trying to make sure I've got blocks of time to take a look at mm. uh, what went on in the games and things like that. So that I'm, uh, you know, because I, I, I went I went yesterday and I went and I can't remember where I saw it. I think uh, we had we I, we must have had a really disgruntled Juventus fan uh, two and a half years ago. And I can't remember the site, but there's there's a guy. It's like Ali Del Piero 74 in the comments gave us one star okay. and said that we don't watch the games. And that we just talk and that we're talking that we bring up NFL and NBA and, and we're bringing up American sports and said nobody wants to hear that. Like it was all pissed off. We must have been dogging Juve. <laughs> That's right. and, he was, and he was probably bitter because let me tell you something, guys, we watch the games and there's yeah. not much that there's not much that gets past us. So I'm sorry. Um, it, you know, and I'm not really triggered by it. It's it's a comment from two and a half years ago, but I am going to say this. You know, we welcome the we welcome the negative feedback. We want to get better, but we can tell you this: we do watch the games. Okay, there's not a whole lot that gets past us. All right, including so, comments from two and a half years ago as well. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. I had to go back and take a look at it and see what people were saying about us because you never know sometimes. So yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, to whoever Ale Del Piero, uh, keyboard warrior underscore 74, whoever you are out there, we're sorry we disappointed you that one day we said something bad about your team. So, um, because that's probably what it was. We were really, really ripping on Juventus at that time. I remember that. To be fair, it's fun. So, it is, it is fun. So, good to have everybody in the chat, man. Amazing. Vincent, Anthony, Dominic, uh, Reno, I saw Apex. And you guys are all you guys are all here. Great to have you with us. So absolutely, <laughs> from absolutely. Reno. Reno's laughing at this whole talk about. It was probably Reno that made the comment. Probably was so. Reno. It probably was Reno. <laughs> <laughs> like a about Juve, you know, we saw last week. We know how it is. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I can't even remember the site. Um, it was one of those like indexes of t- you know where you've got to like. <clears throat> like have a login to know how many listeners and all that other stuff. And I just was like, I just was looking at the reviews. So anyway, there was a battering at the uh, Diego Armando Maradona. We're going to talk about yeah. that a little bit. We'll get into the rest of match week 14. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a certain Mr. Maldini breaking his silence 
yeah. after being exiled out after being exiled out of Milan. Is that how it is? Did I use that word correctly? I think um, so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, if not, I'm, if not, I'm using it for that purpose. Um, and then uh, we will also break down the Euro 2024 draw, in mm. particular Italy. Uh, tough group, um, a little but, bit, uh, a little but bit. doable. And we will uh, we will get into that as well. We'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game: Who won Calcio Twitter? You, are you are you doing a hashtag thing with your fingers now? Or are you going to start? Uh, is that, no, no, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start. Just a one-time <laughs> thing, a one-off, never again. We got the we got the Larry Zabisco salute. We got I'm, that going. I'm showing and now my age. I'm showing my now age and, and now we're hashtagging. All right, now we're hashtagging with our fingers. You got to keep me out. You got you got to warn me about these things. You can't just be doing them spontaneously. I'm an old man. I can't be can't be getting surprised. Be, be like or something. I don't know. I can't help myself. It's <laughs> a better chance it's that. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Anyway. All right. Well. Let's get into it, Richard. Uh, we had Napoli taking on Inter, um, and uh, it was uh, another big test. I mean, Walter Mazzotti pretty much coming in at a bad time. Had to go to yeah. Had to go to Real Madrid. Now he's got Inter, and isn't it Juve next? Um, yes. Or did they, yes. Uh, this weekend it, you got Juve. And, yeah, and it's Juve this weekend. So uh, uh, nothing like a little trial by fire. So uh, if we get into it and we take a look at uh, Napoli coming out in the four three three with Merritt and Gold, Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Ostegard, and Nathan now kind of deputizing as a left left back. Uh, Angisa, Lobotka, Elmas midfield, Politano, Quaracelia, and Osimen back uh, and playing in the center forward position. Uh, Simone went to his traditional 3-5-2, Jan Sommer in goal, uh, Darmian, De Vrij, and Acerbi uh, across the back, Dumfries uh, and Di Marco in the wingback positions, the midfield of Mkhitaryan, Chalanolu, Barella, and then Lautaro and Turam up front. You had your finger like you were trying to pause me here. Let right? me stop you right there because I, 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 I want to yeah, both. I want to backtrack <laughs> a little bit because you know heading into this game last week, you know, with Reno on the pod, we talked about how, and, and as well as Julian, we talked about like Napoli. What are they going to do heading into the week? Because they had uh, Real Madrid in the midweek, and then they had obviously the Inter game, right? And we said. We thought you should rest the players and focus on the Inter matchup, right? Now, I want to read the lineups uh, of the Champions League game for the two teams, right? So, Inter, sure. their lineup for uh, Benfica, their lineup was Aldero and goal, a back three yeah. of Shelby, De Vrij, and Bissic, uh, midfield five of Aslani, Carlos Augusto, Klassen, Fratesi, Darmian, and a front mm-hmm. two of Arnautovic and Sanchez, okay? Yeah. Rotation, clearly rotating. They're clearly waiting for the Napoli matchup. Napoli against Real Madrid... Would they get a, their, their heads in the game and try to figure out, try to see if they get a win? Their lineup is Moret, Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Natan, Juan, Juan Jesus, midfield three of Anguisa, Labotka, Zelinski, and the front three of Politano, Havrashelia, and Simeone. So clearly, one team was going let to the, let the substitutes play and then save for the weekend. The other team, who probably should have done that, went for the, went for the home run against Real Madrid, and then they got a you know, play, you know, have the guys who are tired coming to this matchup now with almost the exact same lineup. Um, I noticed that immediately. And, and you know, when, when you look at these two lineups, for me, Inter, absolutely the freshest team. I feared for Napoli when I saw the lineups because, well, even on the week, even the midweek, because Napoli didn't really rest anybody. The only person they really rested was Osiman, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, 
how long can they go in 90 minutes? If they do, it'll be damn impressive, you know, because Inter are a, you know, a, a cutthroat of a team, a, a killer. And if you can last 90 minutes against them, I give you all the kudos in the world. Um, so that was the thing that stood out to me more than anything, you know, heading into this matchup. Well, what were your thoughts on the starting lineups? Well, we talked to, I mean, yeah, you, you, you said it. We talked about it last week with Reno last week. We said, you know, Napoli should punt the Real Madrid game. I mean, because they could still, they could lose that. I mean, a loss and a draw was going to secure second place for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, that, this 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 trip to the Bernabeu was really not that important. Much like how, you know, Spalletti just decided to cut his losses and say, "Okay, I'm not going to start my strongest team against England at England. I'm going to start my strongest team against Malta. Make sure I get my three points there. Take exactly. the L to take the L to England, and then focus on the next round of matches to get us automatically in." And it worked. Okay, and, and I see the same environment here for Napoli, and we talked about it. But uh, Mazzardi, uh seems like he wants to run the same collection of guys into the ground right now. Um, and uh, so far, it is it has it backfired on him on both sides. Um, we we knew they were going to lose at Real Madrid. We expect them yep. to. Yep. Um, and then you now go to uh, you, you go to this home match against Inter where you've had everybody trying to chase a game that you really didn't need to chase. I, I would have said, you know what, take our – Take our lumps, take our second position in the group, and 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 deal with who we have to play in the next round of Champions League. Yeah. Right now, trying to keep our position in Serie A has got to be the priority. Um, <clears throat> knowing that they were going to have another ninety minutes at home against Braga, so right off the bat, right off the bat, it is really you know I, I think you got to say it's it's pretty disappointing management so far by Walter Mazzotti, which is what we kind of expected when this hire got made. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take it even a little bit further, and we'll probably we'll talk about another game that happened today, you know, or today, but match week 14. Okay, that 2-1 win at, at Atalanta suddenly doesn't look so good after what happened here on Monday with Torino winning yeah, 3 yeah. So, um, you know, so... Yeah, they did put up a really good fight against Real Madrid. Here's our sure. point: they did they, they they didn't really need to. No, I would have punted the game. I mean, sometimes you can do that, you know. I mean, um, uh, it would have looked really it would have looked really bad if they didn't play their strongest lineup for that game. Well, you've got to somehow at some point manage your team through certain situations and certain fixture lists, especially one as daunting as this. Okay, I'm looking at this. I'm walking into this, and I, you know, maybe ADL didn't like it, and maybe that conversation was had behind closed doors and said, "No, play our strongest team at the Bernabeu. We need to show we're among sure. the best in Europe." That that conversation could have happened. Where it said, yeah. "Look, we're going to benefit by resting these guys and having them prepared to play Inter." You know, um, it's all a matter of what you think is more valuable. Uh, but I, I, I pose this. I pose this counter in that: Would you rather lose four or five nothing to Real Madrid in Champions League or lose three nothing to Inter in the league? I would rather I would, lose Real Madrid. I would have taken the big L at Real Madrid and had my guys ready to play Inter. Yeah. Um, no, this is us, you know. De Laurentiis could have been like, no, I want to, I want to, like you said, I want to show that we're we're as good as Real Madrid or can fight with Real Madrid. And, you know, they did. They did battle them really well. So, but, you know, it, it hit them in the league. It's hard to yeah. do back-to-back games against two really good teams and expect to get, you know, maximum points. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So... Um, the, the game, I think the game went, the first half of the game went about as expected. I, you expected Napoli to have more of the ball. You expected Inter to sit back. 
Here's a few things that I caught, Richard. Okay. Um, okay. First of all, I think in incredible credit. If if if, if Nicola Bodella wasn't out there on the pitch, you could make an argument that that back three for Inter, um, the collection of guys that had to play there, uh, could be in line for man of the match. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, their job, and it was very very clear from the start. Their job was crowd all seamen. And don't you dare get disconnected from each other. Because what did Napoli, when you watch Napoli when they attacked, okay, so those three guys are sitting and they're compact in the middle. Okay, so what's happening now? You've got your you've got your wingers getting the ball wide, and now you've got inverted runs. Okay. Elmas did that a lot, uh, you know, in his link up with, I believe it was Nathan on the left. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, excuse me, excuse me, Quadatalia. Okay. Right. And Angisa with Politano. Um, you know, you saw a lot of that little bit of combination play that they, that those midfield runs were being made to each side of the back three. If you're just trying to pull them apart enough to give all seamen some room and the back three for Inter didn't take the bait. No. They said, you know, you can do that combination shit all you want. Okay. Julia left the room. I can say it now. Okay, um, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like she hasn't heard it before. Yeah, <laughs> but Fair enough. Um, you can try that combination stuff. All oh, we're going to stay put. We're not leaving Alciman. Okay, you can yep. do that. You, you're, you, and you're not scoring from those angles with the goalkeeper that you got. So you, your choices are: hopefully somebody loses their con- concentration or beat them from distance. And yeah. that's you saw the Elmas chance that. Summer made an amazing save on. Uh, Politano had the chance to hit the crossbar. You know, that's what Napoli were resorted to. And Inter are comfortable enough, I think. You, you what, and, and what you see now is an evolving trust with a new goalkeeper. We yep. trust you. We know if, if, if teams are going to take their chances from distance, we know you're going to be there for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, that they can, they can tactically set themselves up. Those are the two things that I saw – with you know, those are the two things that I saw in Inter setup where it was like, okay, back three is just gonna hang out with all seamen in the box and everything, you know, not Napoli combine all you want on the flanks. You're not you can't score goals that way. Yeah. So and then it forces um it, it you know it forces shots from distance. Aussieman had one chance in this game. It was yeah. off a cross from Augusto, uh not Augusto, I'm sorry. Um I can't remember where the who, who played the cross from the left hand side, but it was a half chance at best. I mean, it was a it was an early cross. Osimhen got his head to it, but he put it wide. So I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't even anything that troubled Summer in the end. So more of the chances from Napoli, a lot of them from distance. Osimhen really not getting involved. It really, really went the way Inter wanted it to go. Going the other way, Inter definitely looked the more threatening team to score, even though Napoli had a few more chances. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair shot. I think you know Napoli, as expected, too, came out very well. You know, a team. Yes, they've been playing the midweek, but they're going to have their they're, they're fresh at least to start the game. Uh, could they go the whole ninety? That's the question. But you know, the first forty five, especially the first forty five, they look really good. They rotate a lot. They create a lot of chances. It wasn't as dangerous as Inter to your point, but I thought they did well. Um, they had the press going really well. Uh, they came at you in waves, but again, it's that for Inter bend but don't break. That back three, as you mentioned, didn't let Osimhen out of their sight. They doubled up on, on Havarcelli when they had to, and really tried to force Politano and Elmas to kind of do the, the, the dirty work, which they did. And early on, they looked pretty good. And you know, it seemed like, you know, it's funny when when we we obviously Inter 
and Juventus are the cream of the crop in this league. But mm-hmm. we, you know, seeing how other teams come up against them really tells you more about them than anything else. We saw with Milan how, yeah, they look good for spells of the game against Inter and the, and the Derby and same thing with Juventus, but eventually class proved itself and that's why those two teams eventually win of the game. And in this one, you know, we started out seeing, okay, Napoli can certainly hang with Inter, but the difference between being good and being top is was shown in this game is that the clinical the the the, the you know the cutthroat mentality of inter inter's finishers and they find it, they get their opportunities and they take advantage of their clinical uh and while napoli didn't have the greatest of chances they could have done a lot better in their first half in terms of getting trying to get more goals on, uh better opportunities on sommer sommer needs to be you know if you're going to beat sommer it's got to be something spectacular mm-hmm. and you know the way napoli were playing it needed a spectacular uh goal to kind of unlock the game because you know Inter had looked more dangerous, but you know, majority of possession was with with Napoli. I thought they were creating a lot of uh, good triangle passing uh, and the the midfield runs from both Elmas and Napolitano on the on the right hand side were working. And I thought, okay, if they could keep this up, you know, if they can, they can find a way to catch, you know, Inter sleeping at the at the wheel in the defense, they got an opportunity. It's gonna be you got to do something special to beat Sommer, but it didn't happen. What we end up seeing is uh, something special on the other end. Yeah. Um... So, Inter's chances, and I mean, you, you, and when you take a look at, and when you take a look at now, we got Nathan on the right hand, on the left hand side, um, operating, you know, kind of as a deput, deputized left back, and and Denzel Dumfries cooked him, uh, yeah, pretty much all game. I mean, that was a disaster waiting to happen. Um, you know, you obviously had the play from Bedella, the chances that they were creating, um, the marking on. Martinez in the first half was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, by the combination of Rachmani and Ostegard, the, the marking on Toronto, it was okay. It was not great. They were still in dangerous positions, um, and 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 it was man marking. You know that's the that's the frustration with playing two strikers, especially two strikers that are in form. Um, you're when you're playing with a with a four man defense. Um, you have it's two center backs and. You're pretty much trusting them to man mark each striker, which leaves room for a lot of other a lot of other things to happen. Um, we always talk about it when Milan play Inter, but you know Pioli for Pioli just continues to play two center backs, man marks Lotaro and man marks the mm-hmm. you know last year I can't remember who it was was it Carrera in the semifinal or yeah. Jacko anyway. And then what does that open up? Well, if your midfielders aren't tracking runs, uh, then that's where the goals are going to come. Um, and that's where the goals came, uh, you know, and the, the, the one before halftime. Um, wow. Was the goal of the week um, from Chalinolu. Now, I will say Unreal. there were some damn good goals this weekend. This was a fantastic so, weekend for goals. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah. And, and plays, just plays in general. But uh, yeah. that goal by Chalinolu, it reminded me a lot of Roberto Carlos, uh, just the power and pace of it all uh, yeah. was unreal. I mean, Moret read it well, and it got it just you had no chance. I don't think anybody would have had a chance of that, honestly. Yeah, I just, I, I just, it, it was a lot of ball watching from the Napoli defense. Sure, yeah, but, you know, not stepping out. The ball was worked backwards. The cross came. It was coming back to Bello. That's when you got to try to start stepping and trapping and trying to get in front of people and stepping into block shots, but it didn't happen. And thank you know. We were we were uh, we were we were blessed with a with a really nice goal from distance from Hakan Chalanolu to make it yeah. one 0 before halftime. Um, as 
we can, as the game evolved in hindsight being 2020, that was one heavyweight punching the other heavyweight in the other, in the mouth. And the one that got punched just was never really the same the rest of the way. It reminded me of, uh, and it's, I'm, th- I'm showing my age now. It was a Lennox Lewis fight against, and I don't remember who it was, but all, all match long, just jab, 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 jab. And eventually went with a knockout blow uh, to, to win the match. And that's kind of what Inter did is jab, jab, but hard jabs that he, you know, Napoli kept him at bay, really. And then, boom, knockout blow with, with the Chalanolo. Then, you know, the other goals. It just, it, it's just, to your point, it's just, you know, hey, they kept going at them and they were clinical when they had to be. Took their chances. Yeah, so- so we have a failure on Anopoli's on part to step out when the ball, because the ball went backwards twice. It started with Tehran back to Berella, and then it went back to Chalinolu. So um, I, I, it's not clear to me why the, the why Napoli's just holding their positions there, but um, uh, Chalinolu punished for him, punished him for it. So, oh, yeah. um, and then we have the second goal, which uh, you know comes from. Good pressing, good ball winning, and really, what happens when you're now trying to chase the game and get back in it and get a goal? Well, what happens? You're stretched now, um, and the man marking is kind of evident because Latauro was wide, and I can't remember the center back that it was, but he goes out there with him, um, and you can I, I saw it I saw it right when it happened. I saw Barella's run right when it happens. He gets us to Barella, it's a goal. Yeah, um, and. Because Lobotka wasn't tracking, Angisa wasn't tracking, and I believe was Zielinski in the game at that point. Angisa was basically um, walking on that play. He's like, he wasn't even involved. He's like, I was like, I'm not, I don't care. I was like, nothing's gonna happen. Boom, goal. I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah. No, Zielinski came on after that. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah, none of the substitutions got made until the 68th minute by Napoli. So um, yeah, Elmas doesn't. Elmas, Lobotka, Angisa, nobody tracks Barella. Barella makes a brilliant move, scores, um, w- you know, puts Inter up 2 nothing. They're cruising. Um, but there was a play that led prior to this prior to that, that kind of yes. could have changed the game. Maybe, maybe not. But just before this goal, and this always happens. This is the football gods, how they work, right? One end, something near a near a near play nearly happens. and goes the other end and scores a goal. So the play I'm talking about, obviously, is uh, – Osiman was in the box. Uh, he goes down. He's writhing in pain. They go ahead and check it. Uh, and it, the question is, was there a penalty or not? They said no penalty on DeVry uh, with Osiman falling down. Um, and lots of people were saying, you know, that's controversial. Should have been a penalty. Should have not have been a penalty. You don't believe it was a penalty, correct? You thought it was a correct call on the play. At speed, it appeared to be a coming together. Yep. Um, and I think that's why they didn't call it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think that the commentator made a good point too. Like VAR and replay can deceive you because you can see much more clearly than in live play. Live play, you know, you, we see things, you know, as we see them normally. And in yeah. VAR, you can like scrutinize every little thing or whatever. But for me, why I thought this should have been a penalty for Napoli is because you see when the Vry makes contact with with Osiman's leg, it's I a see Serbi. Oh, excuse me, a Cherubi, excuse me, a Cherubi. Uh, There's a clear jerking of his leg and, and his heel as Achilles, I guess it was, and he goes down and he's going and he goes down. Uh, so to me, that's a penalty because I you, there's another game where they had another controversial penalty and that's a Sassuolo Roma game. Similar in the light touches that it happened, uh, though I thought the Roma game was much more of a penalty, much more definitive, definitive of a penalty than this one. I still think I've seen this called many times where a, 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 an attacker gets 
touched like well Seaman did goes down and it was a penalty is called. So this one, the fact that no penalty was called, and I know there's a naysayers out there who saying, Oh, see, Inter don't get any penalties against them all the time. So you know, because someone put some statistic out about how many penalties of each each of the top teams have given up, and Inter was like half of everybody else. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's anything to do with that, but I think I think it was missed, in my opinion, and, and it could go either way. It was tight because obviously you and many other people and, and the referees, they saw this as no penalties. So it, it's just a tight one for me in a game of this magnitude. It's always going to have this, you know, the, oh, that should have been a penalty or that shouldn't have been a penalty. It's always going to happen. It just, you know, and, it, and of course it popped up in this game. And then, then when nothing called, goes the other end and Barella scores a wonderful goal. So it's like that's a, <laughs> typical football gods for you. Well, the Roma penalty was far more controversial than this. You think uh, so? For me. Yeah, far okay. more controversial. I mean, I think that uh, I there. I, I mean, there was hardly anything in it. Um, you know, it's funny. Har- hardly anything in it, and and was it Christensen who just kind of Christensen? It, it, it's almost like he slipped on a banana skin, uh, you know, and <laughs> fell like. Um, almost next to no contact from any of the Sassuolo defenders and it still got called here. There was some contact. Um, it's funny how we <clears> see, <throat> we see these, these two fouls in different ways. And, you know, yeah. This is how it is everywhere. Right. I felt that the Christensen penalty was a much more definitive penalty than the Allseman one, even though I thought, you know, both should have been penalties, but uh, it's interesting you know, hear your side. I think I rerun and we played the Allseman penalty play about a dozen times. Yeah. Um, and I kept coming to the same conclusion that I don't think, Ossiman completely had the ball, and I think that a Serbi was making an effort for it, and they just came together. And I think that that's what the referee saw, and that's the way the referee interpreted it. I can't, I can't tell you whether it's right or wrong. In my opinion, from what I saw at speed, I saw two players coming together trying to win the ball, and nothing yeah. where it was where it was malicious on the part of a Cherby. So. Um, CBS. I'd love to get I'd love to get Lisey's take on it. Um, uh, I was just gonna say CBS says Christina Uncle to you know review these plays. Where's our resident referee Michael Lisey to you know kind of break this down for both both these plays here? Sure, I'd uh, love to hear his take. Sure, yeah. So Mike Michael, you're listening. I know you listen. Uh, so render your opinion to us here at City. I'll sit down uh, when you get a chance to to listen to this. He's not in the chat today, so I'm assuming he's gonna just catch this on the on the replay. So maybe he's refereeing a game. <laughs> he could be. He could be. And maybe there's a coming together very similar to this where he will blow the whistle. You there never you know. go. There so, you go. So um anyway, so uh and then Inter ultimately finished Napoli off. I mean, uh, a really a just schoolboy defending from Napoli all the way around. Probably a cross that Merritt yeah. should have gotten to. Uh defending defenders just letting Taram get behind him easily. It's just uh you know, and 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 that it, it kills the game off. Three 0 to Inter. Um, Inter really solidifies their position, um, yep. top of the table, best team in Italy. Um, you know, continue to go on a really really good run of one loss, one lost one game all season. Of only you know best defense in the league on top of it, and in this game defensively. As I, you know, what I laid out, I think was just as impressive as everything they did going forward and the goals that they scored. Yep, complete yeah. team win, hundred percent. This is this is a fantastic team, as uh, Vincent says. Into our top three team in Europe. I mean, this team is good. Uh, the combination play between Taram and, and Martinez and Barella and really everybody there, but in particular the two strikers working with everybody else linking up. They had a couple, you know, obviously the Taram play where he scored a goal. Uh, you know, it was offsides. It was a good call. 
But uh, the like a play between him and Lartaro was fantastic. Um, it just team just played so well, and Barello had a really fantastic game. Chalonolu obviously with the goal did well in his uh, regista position. You know, it was I like the wrinkle that uh, Limone ball Simone Inzaghi put in there, where normally it's DiMarco and and Augusto they swap right because they're they're similar players. But in this game, I think Mkhitaryan came out and Augusto came in, so you had Augusto in DiMarco. DiMarco pushed up in this one. Uh, so nice little wrinkles to see from from Inzaghi that shows that you know. Hey, they're versatile. They're trying to not only not you know, be consistent, but then improve upon and make it even more difficult for everyone else in the league. And you know, Napoli, you know, they lost three nothing. This is a big loss for them. I, I still think they're a good team. What this shows me is that yes, they're a good team, but they're not at they're not at Inter's level. They're not at Juventus's level. Uh, we'll see. We'll get a good test of how they are against Juventus coming up this weekend. But against Inter, I mean, Inter, you got to be special to beat them. You know. Obviously, Sassuolo, when they beat Inter, they they were guns blazing. That's a bogey team for Inter as well. And so, you know, a little bit of that. But, man, Inter are a phenomenal team. I hate saying it, you know, but it's it's true. From the back, from Sommer, all the way up to the strikers, this team is good. And they got depth. Uh, and so if they, they continue to, you know, rotate well, both in the league and Coppa Italia and, and Champions League, you know, they're going to be a menace to everyone, everyone they face, unless they get in some kind of bad patch. They they're gonna continue to be pulling away from the rest of the league and Inter or Inter Juve are gonna have to do their damnedest uh, to keep up and and also Napoli and Milan and Roma and all the other clubs uh, because Inter don't seem like they're slowing down at any any point here. But no, I I I'm with you. It, it looks very little. Let, I, Taram is so special. Uh, let me ask you this about Taram. Okay. And this is an interesting conversation to have, and this is this is this is worth asking. Is his success because he has a partner in Lautaro Martinez? Say if he was a solo striker in a 4-3-3, playing what Ossiman has to play, Giroud, Lukaku. Um, does he come into Serie A and have the same success? I say yes because really okay because he, he did play he had played he has played in a four three three before he's played in similar similar stances he just needs players around him who can feed him the ball uh, Inter are obviously a special team that can many many different players can get him the ball including his strike partner in Lartaro but I think you know playing in a four three three you know if he was at Napoli for example right I think you know Politano and Havarashilo they're gonna find him he's gonna find his way is he as special as Osimhen no no but he is a good player he's got such you know he's got obviously a great IQ uh great pace he's he's strong for this you know he looks looks kind of frail and skinny but he's pretty strong as well got it has a good shot good passing ability and so he can find the open spaces and I think you know playing in a 4-3-3 and or other variations of, of formations I think he would do well long as long as the service is there I think he'd be fine honestly okay. and uh, same thing with Osman I think Osman playing in this in a two striker system I think he he would he would succeed as well obviously I think Osman is you know the world of him but um Taram is is legit uh, he 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 did this in the Bundesliga for a long time he's done his other places he is he is a versatile striker who can play many things he has a nose for goal and he knows how to get to open spaces okay um what about you was, do you think so it was just an interest it was just something that I just kind of thought of off the cuff um Mainly because, you know, we see guys come from other leagues and they come into a league that's more tactical, like like Serie A. Yeah. Even though a lot of goals do get given up, especially by the lower teams. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder if he's if he has his challenges. Um, you know, playing as a solo striker, you know, in this league. But you know, we don't have to. We we 
we don't have to find out. And he, and he comes into a situation where teams might put a lot of attention on Lataro Martinez and that's only freeing Turam up. Um, so, uh, but well, let me ask, let me ask you this about another question. Uh, Reno brings up a good point. So let's say, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say Osiman was given a penalty and scored it made it one, one. Do you think that changes the game at all? Or do you think interest will win this game? Oh, I think a one, one, a scoreline changes things big time. You think so? Um, I don't think that Napoli play as open and as aggressive as they had to when they fell behind two nil mm-hmm. and left themselves susceptible. I think they changed themselves tactically a little bit that they wouldn't complain about protecting a point against the the, the top team um, whilst finding a way to win the game. And I think that you see where you know Inzaghi doesn't adjust where he's just trying to close things out. So, I mean, it changes things tactically. 1-1 one, one completely changes things tactically. Now, do I say Napoli go on and win the game if they get the penalty there? Can't, answer, can't really answer that, but I'll lean towards no. Um, I would say it would end up being a, I would end up being a draw and going from there. So, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I think that not getting that penalty call – um, was huge, and not getting that chance to make that penalty and get it to one-one was huge. Was 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 huge for that reason. So yeah, I think um, I I do think the game would change in that respect. We saw last week when you know the Derby d'Italia when you know both Inter and Juve tied a one-one. Both managers are content with going with one point. Now in this case, I don't think Inter or Inzaghi would be content with the one-one. I agree. Napoli would play a lot more tighter and make it more difficult. I don't think we'd see three goals from Inter, but I, I still think with Inter's class, they'd find a way um, to get some goal, much like the Chalonola goal where it just came out of nowhere. Uh, and Because they're, they're so consistent, and they are, and they are clinical this year, and whether it would have been Lautaro, whomever, or Taram, I think they still would have found a way, but it would have been a much closer game optically. Like This game was fairly close, but obviously the 3, three nothing scoreline made it look like a huge mismatch. Um, I think with the if that goal or the penalty had been called, it would have been a di- much different game. Well, maybe a 2-1 at best you know, for, for Inter. Maybe a 1-1 like you said. So, who knows? Um, so, Napoli under Mazzotti have conceded eight goals in their first three games in all comps. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they've played a murderer's row here, Atalanta, Real Madrid, yep. and Napoli. Uh, 16 shots from Atalanta, 20 shots from Real Madrid, 11 shots from Inter. Inter was certainly very efficient, didn't yep. have to shoot it as much. Um, there's a lot of conversations in the chat about merit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're clearly missing uh, a player like Kim back there. Yeah, They're still trying to figure it all out. Uh, are these that and a coach trying to figure it out? Are these the perils? Are, are these the perils here? Are these what keep Napoli out of top four? You know, someone earlier in the chat had asked, you know, is Merritt was Merritt really that good last year? Or was it Spalletti and Kim that you know kind of masked all this? It's it's interesting because we've seen many teams over the years, um, in many different leagues where they had a okay goalkeeper but you know defense is great that the rest of the team is great and they kind of masked for it moret i think last year you know is he a top goalkeeper necessarily no but i think last year he did play well yeah you had kim there you had you had spalletti's system you had some really uh, fantastic one of the best midfields in front of him as well to help with that defense but i think merit stood you know he stepped up last year and maybe the confidence of having that team playing so well in front of him boosted his levels and he and he played above 
above grade. But um, I thought he was a solid goalkeeper playing above his above his punching weight. Uh, and then this year, kind of without the defensive stability that they had last year, it's kind of showing that hey, yeah, maybe he just he's just a solid goalkeeper. He's not one of the top three goalkeepers, uh, at least this season, not. And, and, you know, there's always going to be a regression. Look, Mike Magnon this year, he's having a regression, right? Uh, but I, I I like Moret. I thought he did well last year, but I'm sure having the defense in front of him like they like they played last year with that midfield as well, the whole team, uh, helped a lot, helped tremendously, minimize the chances where he could see a lot more of the shots. And basically, you're, you're, you're just allowing the, the long distance shots to come in, and you, you should be able to save those. This year, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. I mean, the three goals, the, the defense just stood around and, and tried to get Moret to, to do by himself. It's, that's not going to happen. You, you're going to have to play a lot better. Uh, Moret, the defense, everybody, if you want to have a chance to, to do well this year. I mean, the lack of midfield tracking from Napoli especially was disturbing. Um, so Second half and uh, first half was night and day almost. Rafael reads fiction. Napoli looks much better now with Mazzardi than he did with Garcia earlier in the season. I, I, won't, dis- yeah, I won't dispute that. Um, I, I have concerns with the goals they're conceding though. Um, you know, and I I think that's something that really needs to be fixed. So you think time will fix it with Mazzotti? It better. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's really it. I mean, and that's where, you you know, I, 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 I have genuine concerns. I got no doubt about them going forward. They've got so much talent, you know, and Politano is having one of his best seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, Paratelia is eventually going to come out. Ossiman will find the scoring for him, uh, you know, once he keeps getting his legs back under him after he's been out. Uh, and then you get it through Zielinski through the midfield. They've got different ways to score at you. It's, 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 it's really, really concerning. Um, the performance on the other end, though, um, you know, and, uh, you know, 17 goals conceded through 14 games is, is not title winning form. Um, no. So, uh so that's 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 where I would be concerned at this yep. point. I hear you. So I'm with you. Yep. So that was the game of the weekend, and uh, Inter made sure it wasn't much of a game. Uh, Richard, tell us about the rest of match week 14. All right. Well, we start off with a doozy. Uh, Monza hosting Juventus. Uh, interesting game, to say the least. Uh, goal scoring started really early with under uh, Robbie Yokin, a nice goal. Um, so just before this, uh, one of the plays of the week, uh, penalty is called, and I forget the I forget the Juventus player that goes down. It was a penalty. Uh, Upsteps Vlahovic. Sure, sure thing. It's a goal, right? No, Di Gregorio makes a save. Rebound goes back to Vlahovic, and Di Gregorio makes another save. A fantastic. It's a, it's a play of the week nomination there uh, to keep it out. But it goes out of bounds, right? Ensuing corner kick. Rabio says Nana. Nah. He puts the ball back to the net with a nice header. One nothing in the 12th minute there. Um, and it looked like, hey, Juventus is going to keep going and whatever. They're going to get their nice one nothing one nothing victory this game. Um, good opportunities going both ways. Monza didn't, certainly didn't uh, back down for them. Monza's a good little team. Uh, there's a reason that they're top 10 in, in the league. Uh, but, you know, both teams had their opportunities. The game going on and on. You're thinking, okay, this game is uh, this game's going to be over. And then a stoppage time. Carboni was a great goal. You're like, hey, here we go. Monza found a way to equalize uh, in, in, in stoppage time. Makes it 1-1. Game surely is going to end, right? No. Uh, Juventus, you know, are trying to say that they're they're in the Scudetto hunt, and this is kind of a reason why. Uh, late in the game, fourth or fifth minute of stoppage time, ball bounces around and gets Sagatti. He takes like two, three swings at it, finally gets a touch on the ball, and it goes in the back of the net. Uh, they went 2-1 to one at the death. Uh, 
wonderful resolve by Juventus to get the to win against Monza. But uh, full credit to Monza as well for you know putting up a fight against um, Juventus in this one. Moving on to Saturday, we had uh, Milan hosting Frosinone. Uh, this was a Luka Jovic uh, presentation, I guess, if you want to call it. Goal and assist in this one. He had a goal in the 43rd minute. A nice volley, difficult volley to put away. Um, Christopher Pulisic got a nice goal, goal of the week candidate there in the 60th or 50th minute, it was, excuse me. And then Luka Jovic with the assist in uh, the 74th minute to uh, Tomori. 3 nothing. looks like they're going to walk away with this. Frosinone started coming back. Uh, they got a... Uh, cheap goal, poor defending by you know the goalkeeper defenders on that free kick. Brescianini, former Milan youth player, scores a goal mm-hmm. three to one. Milan win, a nice three points down for them. Genoa hosting Empoli, uh, got to see the return of uh, Retequi, uh, but uh, he would take a backseat to uh, what goal of the week candidate, another bomb from distance, uh, Melanovsky. I think it's his 17th from distance. Uh, he's a Steph Curry of our league, I think. Uh, yeah. Nice goal from 37th minute, one nothing. Uh, Caccialieri with a nice goal as well in the 67th minute to cancel that out. Moving on to Lazio hosting Cagliari. This game uh, had a goal early. Uh, Lazio's been scoring early a lot li- lately. Uh, but uh, Pedro scores in the 8th minute. Makes it one nothing. Um, Cagliari was hanging in there for a minute, but then they get a red card early in the game. I think it was like uh, late, I think 27, 28th minute, 29th minute. Get a red card. First initially called a yellow. Go to VAR. Dangerous play. Gets a red card. Uh, he's out, and so you saw at that point Lazio should dominate this game, but uh, they did possession-wise. They didn't really any goals, and uh, you know, Cali had their chances at the end. Provadel had to make a wonderful save in stoppage time to preserve the three points. Uh, so Lazio win there, uh, one nothing. Moving on to uh, Monday, uh, Sunday, excuse me, Sunday. Uh, calendars all mixed up. Uh, Lecce hosting Bologna. Bologna, as we expected. Um, we're gonna have majority position this game. It's a good, good game back and forth. Uh, obviously, Lecce um, play well at home. We had a shout out to the UK fan club, uh, Lecce fan club uh, there in, in London. Uh, we had the boys on here for a recent um, interview. But uh, Bologna, uh, they kept going at it. They finally got a breakthrough. Liko Janis, goal of the week candidate, free kick in the 66th minute, um, makes a one nothing there. Looks like Bologna are gonna find a way just to hold on to the one nothing win. But uh, in stoppage time, a really silly penalty by Calafiori. I mean, I'm curious on your thoughts if you thought it was a penalty or not. But uh, he takes out the Falcone. Falcone, yes, the goalkeeper in the box, uh, and that is leads to a penalty that Piccoli converts in the tenth minute of stoppage time. One one, Lecce uh, get the draw on that one. Moving on, Fiorentina hosting Salernitana. Uh, it was all Fiorentina all the time. Uh, Beltran goal, penalty in the sixth minute, followed by Sotil, goal of the week candidate. Wonderful curler in the 17th, and then Bonaventura in the 56th. Uh, 3-0 Fiorentina win there. Some opportunities for Salernitana, including the sitter. They missed the front goal, but it's all Fiorentina all the time. Uh, arguably the game of the week outside of the, the Napoli Inter game. Uh, Udinese hosting Hellas Verona. Goal scoring started in the 16th minute through... Uh, Cabasele with a 16th minute gets a nice goal, one nothing there. Uh, then a penalty for Hellas in the 37th. Uh, Milan Juric gets a converter there, one one at that point going into halftime. Uh, excuse me, no, Luca. Luca had a goal prior to that. Uh, I forgot about that. Luca, a guy who we've been talking about, a youngster, uh, yeah. trying to fill the fill the boots of Beto who who left this this past season. Um, gets a nice goal, to make a two nothing there. Juric makes a two one. They go into halftime of that scoreline, and then a goal of the week candidate and Golange with a wonderful bicycle at the 61st minute, make it 2-2. Uh, and then another goal by Luca in the, in the 72nd, 3-2. This game's going back and forth. 
Um, and then finally, in stoppage time, Henri gets a goal uh, in the 97th minute. 3-3, three, three, unreal. I did not see that coming out in this game. I thought maybe 1-1 one, one best. 3-3, three, three, throw that scoreline. Uh, moving on to uh, Sassuolo hosting Roma. Sassuolo got the goal scoring start early. Henrique really kind of started the play and ended the play with a nice goal. Nice team goal there. Goal the week candidate there. Um, then we would see a, uh, a red card by Boloka. Really a dangerous play on, on Dybala. Uh, no doubt about it. It was a red card for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, going to uh, Dybala would get a penalty in the 76th minute. Would convert that. Uh, this is the play that we talked about, the Christensen you know, going down in the box. Was it a penalty? Was it not? Dybala converts it 1-1, and then Christensen, the man who created the penalty, gets the game winner in the 82nd minute. Uh, 2-1 Roma win on the road. And then uh, Monday, Monday, last game, uh, which is a, a big shocker for everyone, I think. Uh, Torino hosting Atalanta. Atalanta should walk over them, right? No, not so fast. Uh, Duvan Zapata. It always seems like the uh, the, the, the old mistress uh, comes back and haunts you as uh, Zapata scores in the 22nd minute and in stoppage time. Uh, there's Sanabria scored a penalty in between that and the 56. 3 nothing Torino. This shock Atalanta. Uh, where do you want to start with this weekend's action? Um, First of all, for exactly why Pioli should continue to be Milan's manager to this, the three, one win here against Frozenoni puts in a makeshift lineup. They go out there and they get the three points. They get the results finding ways to win. Okay. Um, the Borussia Dortmund game, we, we talked about it. We said it was probably the most, one of the most unfocused efforts you've probably seen from this team. And whenever you see an unfocused effort from a team, yeah, it should reflect on the manager. But to bounce back, to to win in the fashion that they did against a frozen only team that's been pretty pesky. Yeah. Um, you know, with Teo Hernandez at center back, and Teo Hernandez played really, really well having yeah. to deputize in that role. Um, you know, so um, I'll give them a pass for the goal that they conceded because that's just makeshift. The, you know, and, and where are you going to be to makeshift defense set pieces? You know, there's enough there's enough change going on there that that's how you're going to concede a goal. And, yeah. you know, that's just, uh, you know, that's just the nature of it. You see it happen so many times. Um, Luka Jovic, man of the match for you or who do you got? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, great finish. And then getting the, the, the and here's the thing with Luka Jovic and me on Twitter are beating the guy to death. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's not getting. I saw, you know, Santangelo dog him for only having seven touches at a certain point in the game. I, you know, a couple of other guys were getting angry at him and said, okay, it's the role of the striker in a system like that, the single striker. It's not just the responsibility, his responsibilities with the ball, it's the responsibilities without it. Correct. Okay. How much room did Pulisic have on the left? He had a good game. Yeah, because of Jovic. Yep. It seems like Frosinone put their attention on Jovic defensively. That opened up Pulisic to have some chances. That opened up that left-hand side to operate a little bit. And I, it gave Chiquese a chance to come through. Okay, mm-hmm. it opened up some stuff for the midfield. Okay, the role of the striker, and if he's moving around, and he's not a stiff, he wasn't standing in one spot. Um, you know, he wasn't a, you know, there isn't bird shit on his shoulder. Uh, you know, from being a statue and standing there, right? Right. Okay. Um, he strikers have to move defenders. Okay, and that's what and and in, and in parts he did that. 
his presence, his runs in the box. Defenders are going with him. Now Pulisic has room to move. And then when when Teo had his chances to venture forward, even from the center back position, he found them. So it's 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 not just the touches, okay? And it's not just you know, can you? It's not just scoring goals. It's it's what you're doing with your work rate and what you're doing without the ball to try to create some space and open things up for the teammates. And there were some very impressive things that he was doing in this game. Was that naive from Frosinone to kind of focus on Jovic while you had Pulisic out there, while you had Chiquese out there and some other guys? I mean, to me, like, if I'm looking at it, if, and I, I'm not a manager, clearly, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, uh, I'm not getting paid for it. But, uh, and if I'm looking at the Milan team and I see Luka Jovic out there, I'm like, well, he has done anything. He has done ass this year, so I'm not going to worry about him. I'm going to guard Pulisic or Chiquese, the playmakers, and if I stop them, I don't have to worry about this guy. And they focus in on Luka Jovic. Granted, you know, it worked out for Milan. Uh, they, they guard him. He does well at the holdup. That, you know, that's a that's an underrated part of any striker's game is can you hold the ball up? And clearly he can. He, and he created room, as you mentioned. Uh, and I think that was the downfall of Frosinone because they focused on the wrong, you know, attacker and it kind of opened it up for all the playmakers to kind of do what they want to do. Um, it seems to be a trend in Serie A right now that Defenses are taking away the striker. We already talked about it with Inter. Um, got a damn good one though. Uh, yeah, probably do so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame them. And I, and, I, and I understand that. Okay. Um, clearly, what I, clearly Atalanta didn't focus on Zapata. Nope. Um, you know, Monza had their attention on Vlaovic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where regardless, you know, take the take the guy playing in the highest point and try to take take him away. And maybe because wingers are are taking chances from tougher scoring angles, there's there's something there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's really it's hard to say, but you're seeing that happen. You're seeing that happen pretty frequently, where tactically the defending is set up to just try to eliminate the striker. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you saw it. I mean, Inter Inter put on a clinic with it on all on on Sunday, but. Um, there's a trend there. Uh, I don't know if it was foolish of Frozen only, um, or if they were just if if they just so happened to just compact the middle area and that they would they just they thought that those were going to be the most those are going to be the areas where Milan were going to produce the most dangerous chances and Jovic happened to be in those positions. Right. Um. It's it. You know. I. I. I don't. I don't dare try to get into Di Francesco's head. Um, yeah. although I'll say this, he's having a, he's, he's, he's having a redemption this season, managing this team I agree. at the moment. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, it, it seemed like that it's like, Hey, we're going to just going to take the middle of the pitch away. We're going to take Jovic away. We're going to take our chances, but it made Pulisic look more and more dangerous. Chiquese, uh, he was average. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Um, what other games, um, Obviously, that Udinese Hellas game, which uh, unexpected because I think both teams, the lack of quality. Udinese has had some quality this season. They just had bad results, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, getting the goals that they had, you know, some Archers and company, you know, doing really well offensively, but defensively couldn't do anything. And Hellas kept coming back every time. Um, obviously, Ingoan pulled a worldly out of you know out of his pocket there, but. Yeah, three three. I did not see that coming at all. I mean, I, I thought the way these two teams have played this year. It's going to be a low-scoring game, a very boring game. I'm glad that I got to watch this game because 
it was certainly entertaining from a neutral standpoint. Uh, I don't know if Anthony or someone else in the chat said that, but it, it absolutely was. You know, that's what you want to see as a game where chances both ways, lots of goals. Uh, even though there's not a lot of goals, as long as there's a lot of chances, that's what you want to see. And I think this game had it all. It was a surprisingly good, good, good game to watch this season, uh, this weekend, uh, out of all, all the games we saw. It was the best thing to happen to Udinese was Isaac's success getting hurt seven minutes in. Yeah. Because Luca yeah. didn't start this game. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sirlin Gunj needs to find a better team. He does. He does. You know, we were on him before anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, just just like his play, scored a wonder goal here at the weekend that if it wasn't for Chalinola, we'd be talking about that as goal of the week. Um, so, um, you know, looking at Udinese and how they went about it, okay, obviously you have Luka. Samarjic is still there pulling strings. Who knows how much longer that's going to last and when he starts getting linked. Um, Tovan's yeah. trying to get his legs under him too. I think Tovan and and Samarchis would be a good, really good team. I mean, Tovan is such a underrated player because he he used to you know back in his younger days he used to score lots of goals in the front and then Ligue 1. Uh and he has that capability. He's seen you know yeah. he got a couple shots hit a post or two in this game. Uh, he's a good playmaker as well, and so I think that's a really nice compliment in the attack they have. And then Luca, who's so big and and he he's so mobile, he can do so many things. Um, they could have an, a nice uh, scoring run, this this team. Just got to figure it out defensively. Agreed, agreed. Um, the, the, the goal, yeah, the goals are there, um, but there's also goals to concede with with, uh, with the way Udinese are set up. So yeah. um, let's see here. Uh, Roma's top four. No, I know. You stop the count. You, stop the count. You kept saying it. You kept saying it. <laughs> So everybody laughed at me. Yeah, everybody thought I was crazy. Was like, oh, this is why you don't judge a team after their first two games. You and Vincent had them top four, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of Romanisti had it, but yeah, um, I'm not uh, Romanisti, and I had them top four. I had them fourth. Yeah, so here we are. Although I had I had I had Napoli in the top four and Juve out of the top four, so it just you know flipped that. Otherwise, I have the, I have I have I have all the teams. But anyway. Yeah. Um, well, Roma showed a lot of great resolve in that game because Sassuolo is a is a, a Jekyll and high team, but when they get a lead, they are dangerous. They're hard to play against because they're gonna keep going for more goals. And Roma kept at it and they found a way. And yeah, Christensen kind of sparked the the comeback. And you know, obviously, you know, Dybala had a, it was instrumental in the game. Uh, Lukaku missed a sitter where he should have scored a goal, like one on one with the goalkeeper. Was, you got to put that away, man. Like, but luckily, Dabala showed up and Christensen showed up. And, uh, you know, Christensen, we, you know, we've seen glimpses of him. Hopefully, he can kind of uh, take this momentum and run with it because, you know, we see glimpses where he's like, man, this guy could do something. It could be a nice compliment for the, the attackers they have at Roma. And then he kind of disappears for a little bit. And so, uh, hopefully, Mourinho trusts him more. I think a game like this would certainly help. Maybe, you know, uh, be more of a super sub, at least for the, for the time being. Uh, but if he keeps doing his kind of performances, Mourinho is going to start trusting him more and more, and we're going to see a lot more of this kid. And um, he has that playmaking ability where he kind of obviously sets a, you know uh, sets a, sets the world on fire and, and really sparks a team when they're you know if everyone's going to focus on Dybala, he's going to leave a lot of room for for Christensen to do what he can and, and find and find Lukaku. So um, we'll see what Roma do. But it's good resolve by them coming back in this game and not only you know equalizing but getting the win. Uh, so if you want to be top four, you're going to have to have these kind of games against teams that are the, the Jekyll and highs like the Sassuolo. There's just a good mix <clears throat> of, of guys here on, on this Roma team. I mean, you get Spinazzola starting and he's starting to get his form back a little bit too. Um, 
you know, Bove keeps looking better and better every time he gets a chance to play um, in the midfield for them too. I mean, so it, it goes beyond some of the guys, but they can interchange their attack. Osmond, El Shadawi got some playing time. El, Lorenzo Pellegrini starting to get his legs back under him too. You know, um, there's depth in this Roma team. Um, you know, they're a deeper team than they were even last year, mm-hmm. uh, which which is going to serve them well, which is a big part of why I thought top four was perfectly reasonable um, and that they would overcome the bad start and that, and, and, and you know, here we are. So um, I don't think they'll do any better than that. I think that there's still a rote mentality with them, despite Mourinho being the manager, that it's Roma, it's a fragility, and they need to show us otherwise. Regardless of who's managing and regardless of who, how many players you assemble, I think Osmoon as well has got to step up. He's he he had a lot of good opportunities this game. He got involved in nice open spaces, made himself available, but his finishing's got to be better. I mean, he had some great chances where he could at least put it on target and and make the goalkeeper try to save and. Uh, he would miss it wide, but he's getting into the spaces, and that's that's part of you know being a good attacker is finding the open spaces and get there. And eventually, like like it happened for Jovic this weekend, eventually it'll go in for you, and hopefully you can kind of snowball that and and get a momentum going. But uh, it's it, I'm still I'm still the, the jury's still out with him because I I think he has the IQ to be a good player. It just does he have the skill set to get that get over that hump, and that's mm-hmm. to be determined. Agreed. Is the Have the wheels fallen off of Atalanta here with Gasparini? Is it finally time to say, "Hey, it's it's hit its ceiling. It's it's not a team we're going to take seriously as a top four team anymore." Yeah, you know, um, the loss at home to Napoli, uh, you know, and then this result here against Torino. Um, are we? Are we done taking Atalanta seriously? And now that after I say that, you know, Milan have to play at Atalanta this weekend. And, and Atalanta go in five nothing watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and Gasparini's dancing again. So, uh, what what do we make of Atalanta? Because it is weird right now. They have one point out of their last four games. Um, that point came at Udinese one one. It has been a difficult schedule, but and it clearly shows that. They're not ready to run with the big boys anymore. They're not at that level. Um, but 2-1 loss at home to Inter, 2-1 loss at home to Napoli, and then getting drubbed 3-0 uh, at Torino. Uh, those are three top-half teams here. Um, and are we back to them being that team that's kind of going to just be 8th to 11th, or, or do you still hold out hope that this gets turned around? I mean, I still think they're a Europa League, your Conference League type team. Um, they should be, you know, challenging for the top four. But maybe Gasparini has run his course. I think, you know, back in 2019 to 2021 is when we saw them really at their peak. Um, the rotate. It seems like so. Atalanta are like that hipster team that we all root for because they play so well. It's nice to see, and they're a small team, right? And I think it eventually got to got, and this was me seeing from the from the long distance from far away, and you know not being a, a fan at all. It seems like 
all that celebrity of Atalanta doing so well got to Gasparini's head. And not only is that, hey, look, we can do well. I'm just going to tinker all the time now. And, and it kind of just throws off the whole team. And they can't perform consistently. Like I say, one week they have an impressive win, and then they go and lose to Torino 3 nothing. And it's like, what is this team? They're they're very Jekyll and Hyde, like Sassuolo. Uh, not to the great extent that Sassuolo is. But um, I think Gasparini, I don't see him getting can during the season but i can see them moving on the question for me is who would they bring in it'd have to be someone um that would want to go to a smaller size club right it's not the you know the juventus or the inters of the world uh but this job isn't but you know who's going to go there um maybe a manager's on the up and up and that you know maybe dionisi or something like that could go there and, and take a next step but I think his course at Atalanta has run, run, it's run, and it's time to move on from him at the end of the season. It's just like he's taken way too much for me. Yeah, he has Colt Miners playing consistently, but they so much rotation. You never know who's going to start in the game. Obviously, Zapata left because he, he wasn't getting consistent time. Muriel, who's a fantastic talent, his goal to minute ratio is one of the best in, 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 in the world. He, he comes on every, you know, only for super sub moments for like last 20 minutes of the game. It's like you don't understand anything that he does. And I don't know. I'm curious what Atalanta feels feel like with Gasparini because they, they know him a little bit better than I do. But I just, you know, from what I see, it's just like, I don't know, man. It, it's it, the message is not getting through their heads anymore. And it's just got to, you got to move on and they reach the ceiling. They have played six of the current top half. Uh, so far this season in Serie A. They have not played Bologna. They've not played Roma. They'll play Milan this weekend. Six games. One point out of a possible 18. Yeah. A goal is draw with Juventus. They have yeah. lost all the other games. They lost to Inter. They lost to Napoli. They lost to Lazio, Fiorentina, and now Torino. Wow. So um, I just don't think they have the players that can cope with the mentality of playing that next level of competition. Um, you, you see them get in tussles with sporting Lisbon even. So, um, so it's, I think it's worrying. I don't think this Atalanta team is good. I think they've been found out in certain ways and, you know, I'll, I'll call it now Milan go and beat Atalanta this weekend. Okay. So two, one, it's going to be a, it'll be a tense game for reasons because of Milan's, some of their, their, uh, you know, lack of available players. Uh, but I think they're going to find a way to get a win. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, so. I'm, I'm scared of that game. I, I say draw, but uh, yeah, it's it's very possible. Mm-hmm. No, that game. Um, the window of Papu Gomez and Ilicic laid Sancho Foundation for Picasso and Gasparini to build future teams. Yeah, there's definitely truth to that. 100%. Um, there's definitely truth to that. Uh, looking at the rest of this, um, you know, par for the course, Fiorentina did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Juve getting that win at Monza, finding a way to win there in the end. Um, <clears throat> and in order to keep pace with Inter, uh, I think that, you know, you build title winning campaigns on those kind of results. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so don't underestimate what that, what that might mean in the grand scheme of things. If Juve are able to catch Inter at some point, um, Bologna, a little hard, you know, a little hard done by toward the end there. That's the penalty calling back and forth on. Did you think that was a penalty for the the, the Piccoli uh, equalizer? So that and again, there's lost so many penalties this weekend. Um, I thought, I thought the defender should never Calafiori. I don't think he should have never had his hands on, on Falcone. Um, did Falcone make a meal of it? Uh, yeah, 
But I, I, I certainly think it was a penalty because he was draped all over him. And I also think his le- the legs got caught up as well. So you have those two combinations. It's going to be a penalty almost every time. Um, but Kyle Fiore, in my opinion, had no opinion draped all over him like he should. He's acting like he was like the top striker on the team, and he's not. Uh, yeah. And Piccoli is going to convert that. He's just, uh, he's a good player. So, yeah, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that penalty? It, I, I, I think it was a penalty. Um, and I think it was a yeah. foolish I think it was a foolish play, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if there was the controversy there that there might be with the Roma penalty. And like I said, I have a, I, I, I still think the Alciman Acerbi was just a come. I think it was a coming together. You know, I've watched it tw- a dozen times again, Lisi, let us know. We're waiting to hear what you have to say about it. So and going through the rest of the general Empoli, Probably could have been played on a public parking lot and no one would have noticed. But <laughs> except for the Malinowski goal, that was pretty sweet. Mm. So, it was. It was. It certainly was. So, all right. Well, I think that I think we exhausted uh, match week 14. Uh, ready to get into some goals of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, also, this week, I, I've got seven and I got to get it down to five. Yeah, I, I have I have ten, uh, but I have a top five. I definitely have a top five. There's a lot of uh, honorable mentions, but I'm not going to mention. Them. So number five for me, I am going to go with Sotil. I thought his uh, his uh, curler of a shot yeah. was really really nice. Number four, um, Nicolo Barella. His uh, his run slaloming through the defense is really more poor defense than his moves, but he had some nice moves in the box as well. Uh, nice nice finish there. I'm going number three. I'm going to go Malinowski. I thought uh, I love the long range goal, and uh, he can do it as good as anybody else, man. It was a, it was a nice one from distance. Number two, uh, it's going to be a shocker here. I think I, I love long distance goals, but Chalanolu coming at number two for me. Um, I have a really? uh, that the Angolan goal. I love the flare goals. The only thing I like better than long distance goals is those flare type goals and uh, Angolan's bicycle. You know, we've seen many bicycles. Okay. You know, Leal had one this year too, but this one has hit really well. It was a really well struck uh, uh, bicycle. So that's why he slightly edges over Chalanolo. Chalanolo was a fantastic shot. It was, you know, one of the best shots of this year. So uh, no disrespect to him. I only edge Chalanolo over in Gonja because of not only was it an outstanding goal, but the magnitude of it. Fair enough. You know, and, and and the height of the game, you know, the heightened awareness of the game. Um, it opened I'm, the game. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the rest um, in that order. Uh, I think you have a Malinowski, um, Barella, and then uh, Sotil. Yep. Um, the honorable mentions, uh, Liko Jonas's free kick was wonderful for Bologna. Yes. Uh, and then I do want to recognize Pulisic's goal against Frosinone, the first touch out of the air on Mignon's punt uh, was wonderful. And then to be able to, to, to play off the defenders and to be able to chip it past uh, the goalkeeper um, to finish there, I think it's an honorable mention for me too, but I'm with you on the top five. I just, I have one and two in reversed from, from where you've got them. So. And, and the only other honorable mentions that, that you didn't mention that I, that are mine, I think Gregorio's double penalty kick save on yes. Pavlovich was fantastic. Mm. And Provadel stopping Pavoletti in stoppage time to preserve the win for Lazio. Uh, that was also nice. So shout out to both of them. Agreed. Agreed. We move on. Uh, Paolo Maldini ended his silence. 
He did. He did. So I'm going to read uh, the quote that he said, and then we can get a reaction from you about it. Uh, so Baldini uh, was interviewed by Repubblica, and he says, uh, the translation is, why did I remain silent for six months? Time allows you to have serenity. There are people who pass through uh, without real respect for the identity and history of Milan. There are others links to their ideals. It would be better to keep them close. Was I expecting my departure? If the club was sold for $1.2 billion and the new owners wanted to change, they have that right. But people, roles must be respected. I had to find an agreement for my rights. My love for Milan remains unconditional. The information is not directed towards the truth. Anyone who says otherwise knows that they are lying to themselves. Luckily, it seems to me that the public have not been influenced by this. Cardinale says that I'm an individualist. He's confused with the desire to be responsible for the decisions required for the role. Daily confrontation is a blessing. A former top-level footballer is used to being judged every three days. As a director, I grew in the first six months. I felt useless. Leonardo told me, you're just learning. It's not easy to communicate with an American fund or a South African CEO. Nothing can be further from the truth that Masada and I did not share objectives and strategies. Never had nor wanted signing power, not even for loans. Each purchase was endorsed by the CEO and its owners. When we chose the players, sometimes the budget disappeared. Interference in sporting choices that shift financial balance is sometimes normal. Cardinale said that he was to trust we were to trust each other. I did that, but the things ended up as we well know. I believe the decision to fire has been made months earlier, and there were those who knew about it. The contract, two years with an option to renew, was signed by me um, when we won the Scudetto. Was, Car was it Cardinale's request? What was Cardinale's request? To win the Champions League. I explained that a three-year plan was needed. From October to February, I prepared with Masada and a consultant friend of mine. 35 pages of sustainable strategy and the need to leap in quality sent, uh, sent to, CEO, to, sent to the CEO for Lani. The answer? Nothing. Out of 35 signings, we are challenged by Decatelare, who was 21 years old. If you choose young players of that age, the failure rate is high. They must be waited for, helped, pampered, taken aback. On the other hand, after three months of work, Boban and Masada and I were called to London by the owners and CEOs and practically delegitimized. De uh, they didn't like Liao, Benacer, Teo, uh, Teo uh, but starting a path was needed. In 2018-2019, not a young and underperformed team with Champions League for six years, squad worth around $200 million, um, a salary total of $150 million in four years of restructuring with young players, net market spending of transfer market $120 million, $30 million per season and $15 million per window. Um, uh, and then after three years, $100 million, not without being able to renew Kessie and Chalanolu. He, he goes on and on. I mean, the main thing, it's like he's he's talking truths that stuff that we, I think we all knew Mm -hmm. And he's also talking about Cardinale and about his difficulties. And obviously, to me, it seems like there was a struggle between, which is obvious, Cardinale and, and Maldini and his Cardinale's philosophy with Maldini. From what you heard, there's a lot more of it. You can go ahead and read it online. But thoughts on what Maldini had to say. Was it something or was it really a lot of nothing? <sighs> It's a lot. It's it's a it's a lot of nothing. I think okay. Maldini just kind of wanted to share his story and his side of the events and his perception of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know that that's just where it's at to me. You're always going to have. There's always at least two sides of a story. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have what ownership is going to say. You're going to have what the director is going to say. Okay, and it's going to be different. Um, when it whenever it comes to a situation like this, um. I thought that, and we talked about this way back when Maldini was sacked. We said, okay, 
take Paolo Maldini, the name, off of the performance as director, mm-hmm. are we as outraged? And no. we could we, we 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 poked holes in the performance where we could say, no, we're not really outraged. Yeah. Um, you know, because for every signing he did well, there was one or two signings that made you scratch your head. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, here right now, you look at the Cardinale group signings. Pulisic has been a slam dunk success. Okay. Um, Tiani Reiners has been a success. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some defensive liabilities, but he has been an overall success. Uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek has been almost a slam dunk. Almost. Well, but the injuries have, have shown yeah. up, you know, yeah. so that's, that's what's keeping it from being that. Uh, who else did they said? Moose, Moose has been good. Moose has been good. He had that shocker against Lecce. Yeah. yeah. Um, but otherwise, he's been okay. He was out of position, um, for, to be to be frank. Yep. Chiquese is your classic need time to acclimate mm-hmm. player. And that's how he was. Yep. Scored a goal against Borussia Dortmund. Um, over these last couple of games where he's gotten to have a little bit more playing time, you're starting to see some signs of life. Um, so, uh, who else came in? Did Jovic yeah. come in? Jovic came in. Jovic came in. Yeah. Kind of an incomplete. I think Okafor is kind of an incomplete as well. Yeah. Um, those would be the two that I would probably say need more, need more, need more time to understand. And then Pellegrino also, uh, probably incomplete. I don't, I'm wondering if I'm leading, leaving anybody out. Um, uh, in the last transfer window, Redbird held money back until the very last weeks and was little. Overall, good or bad. I uh, promise you less players answers for Lonnie's for calls. So I'm trying I think to understand what you're asking here. I think it's part of the quote that uh, Maldini said. Um, uh, the, only thing that, the only thing I would say was, you know, if Carnali did say, hey, I want a Champions League title, you know, the actions of the signing of the players, it seems like, and I think maybe Dominic said it earlier, is like, they're trying to they're trying to win a Champions League playing Moneyball, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work like that in football. Can you build a successful team? Yes, obviously. What Maldini Maldini is you know we we've poked holes in his um, his signings and and along the way, but he's certainly brought the team up to a new level. The team is much sure. better now than before him. But you know if 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 Cardinale's goal was Champions League, I think that's good. That's good to have because Milan's. Milan cherishes more the Champions League than they do the Scudetto, and mm. so, but the actions haven't shown that yet. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe with their number of games, they thought that was going to work out. Maybe it might still happen, but as of right now, it, it doesn't. And you know, it's also, I think, and I, we mentioned this last podcast. I think if Maldini had stayed, Pioli's time probably would have been uh, would be would be a lot shorter than it than it would be with under Carnale, uh, because I think ultimately for Carnale, it's a money game, um, and mm-hmm. it's all about making. Consistent money product, uh, uh, an arsenal top four, if you will. Uh, that's the main goal. Being Champions League, get that money and and, and stay in a top four hunt uh, and be competitive in the Scudetto. So I don't know. Well, to be determined. I agree with you. A lot of nothing in this Maldini comment. It's just that him sharing his side of the story that we kind of all knew already. Um, and I think had it not been the Maldini name, we probably wouldn't have been as open our eyes to to what the actual truth was if it was a you know a joe blow who got you know got fired we would have been like oh yeah jerry carnale was right this guy's wrong but 
you know, we get we we gave credit to Maltini because we know who he is for the last you know, 30, 40 years he's been for with the club. So we had a, we had an understanding of who he is, and so we gave him the benefit of doubt, and that's all he was saying. This is what I this is my side of the story. Yep. Yep. So just I kind of a you know, in a way you're kind of saying move on, nothing to see here. Um <laughs> so got I mean, to hear his story. But- we appreciate it. It doesn't. It's not going to change. Really, not going to change a whole lot of what's happened here. So, no. Nope. Um, and uh, but let's all let's all just move on as fans and um, understand. We've heard both sides, and I think it's for up, up to everybody else. Everybody else to judge. I think it remains that the sensitivity to this is the fact that Maldini is a Milan icon. Yeah. Okay, and that's I think the outrage is over that more than his performance actually as a director. Yeah, how he was can I think did more for me than than not because he was fired, you know. It was just out of the blue and and I get I get why it was done, but man. Yep. Yep, agreed. All right. So we go from there to Euro 2024, the final draw took place. We talked about this, we previewed this draw, we said, you know what, Italy's just going to end up in a tough group here because uh, yeah. they were put in top pot 4. They're in group B. And oh, baby, Spain, Croatia, and Albania. Now, wasn't this the group in twenty? Wasn't this their group in twenty twelve? I feel like it, it. If it wasn't damn, it's pretty damn close. I'm gonna look at this. I I know Spain and Croatia were in it. Yeah, I don't know if Albania was or not. I'm trying to remember now. I'm gonna look at it right now. All right, because I'm curious. But you know, it's 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 a difficult group. Um, we knew no matter what with the Euros, it's going to be a difficult draw. Euros is arguably the toughest tournament in the world. Um, you know, from from top to bottom with all the teams that are in, included. No, um, it was Ireland. Ireland was the fourth team, but, oh, it, but Italy yeah, were in with yeah, Spain and yeah. Croatia. Yeah, but would you not agree with me that the Euros are the most difficult tournament in the world for international football? Yes, um, extremely difficult. What um, what on domestic level is better? Oh, uh, I think you can argue the Champions League, but you know what? To your, you're, you're, you're talking about just if you're talking about overall, yeah. I, I I think the Euros are more difficult to win than the World Cup. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, but I, I I still think the Champions League has a standard. It's you know, ask Pep Guardiola how hard it is to win the Champions League. How many years he's I mean, he's won it twice at Barcelona, but how many years? Has he tried to win it at Manchester City? So, yeah. Um, Man City, Bayern Munich. Yeah, you know. Yep. But it's it's a very difficult tournament. I mean, it is one, it, 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 as international tournaments go, it's the toughest tournament. It's tougher than the yep. World Cup, it's tougher yep. than Copa America. Um, so, you get Spain, you get Croatia, and you get Italy, or, and you get Albania. Okay. They open with Albania, so they get that right off the bat. And it's an Albania team that is going to be tougher than everybody's going to give them credit for. First of all, Albania's players are going to have familiarity with Italy. Some of them play in Serie A. Elmas. Uh, Elmas. Elmas is North Macedonian. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, Nedim Barami. Yep, Barami. Um, is chief among them. Uh, so you have, to, uh, you have to take him into consideration as a player to be on the lookout for, I believe it was the striker who's having a pretty good season. And I, the name escapes me for, um, Aslani. 
Aslani's a midfielder, but Apex, yeah, mentioned that. So, oh, guys, Broha, I'm on to Broha. He's back. Mm. Um, so there's a collection that is going to make it interesting. Eventually, they they should. Italy has to win this game, get off to a good start. They don't win this game. Forget about trying to qualify now. Four third place teams qualify to the round of sixteen, so there is an element that they could they could go through. But if they lose this Albania game, I just don't see how they can qualify. They need these three points. Absolutely. Get these three points and then get a point off of Spain and Croatia. And you're 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 assuring yourself of qualification into the round of sixteen. Um, the diehard is what he fans are going to tell you. We're Italy. We should win every game we play. Um. I think this is a Croatia side that is on the back end. After golden years, yeah. If you if you want to make a case for their chances against them, that's something that you can look to. Um, it hasn't been the greatest qualifying campaign for them. They did get to the is actually Spain and Croatia in the Nations League final last year, and Spain won. Um, so there's that. And then Spain. I mean, there's an abundance of talent. They do play a little differently than the Del Bosque teams that had Xavi and Iniesta. Yep. Um, but they've got the next wave of guys that are coming through. Pedri and Gavi through the midfield. Um, they've got an abundance of talent up front. Yeah. Um, give me the name of this guy that's uh, playing on the right for Barcelona now. Uh, oh, my not, God. Um, Younger guy and he's talented. Oh, that's a faulty place for them, though, right? No, he's with Brighton now. No, but I mean, uh, with Spain. Oh, Ansufati's with Spain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were referring to. Uh, no, no, uh, no. Not Barcelona. Okay. okay. Um, I'm just taking a look at a couple of other things here. Um, so, but. But what else is uh, – Yamal, thank you. Mm. Uh, thank you. Apex uh, oh, Gavi's out of the Euros because of his ACL injury. Good catch. Um, but there's still going to be an abundance of talent, of technical talent. They're going to have possession of the ball 70 to 75%. Danny Olmo's another player. Um, uh, so, th- you know, the ability is there. And there's another name in there. that Ferran Torres – yeah, produces really well, and they've got Alvaro Morata as a striker. I've heard of him. Uh, yeah, he you can find his form. So there's a there's a there's some ability there. If they don't beat Albania, it's going to be very very hard for them to get out of this group, even to finish third and be one of the better third place finishers. Um, I size it up that I still say I still maintain that reaching the last eight should be the goal. Uh, for this competition. It's just going to be this group is going to be difficult. If they can survive this group, we'll see what happens in that round of 16 because when you get to knockout football, anything happens. Yeah. Your thoughts on the draw. It's, it, this is going to be tough. This is going to be really, really tough. It is. It's going to be a difficult draw. I mean, is second place attainable in this group? It is, but you know, the one thing that's a saving grace for me is that if this tournament was to begin next week, I have you know reservations about Making third place, uh, let alone mm-hmm. you know, qualifying. But um, it's Spalletti, and it's six months from now. He's going to be able to mold his team into how he wants it to perform. He's going to find his right pieces, at least from the, uh, you know, how he thinks the team is going to look. Obviously, when the when the season when the tournament starts, things change. We see guys get hot, guys cool off, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, how many times in the past in tournaments who will go in there thinking, you know, Di Natale or Totti are going to run the show and it's somebody else who, you know, comes to the, comes to the front. Um, so I fully expect Spalletti to have his team ready to go. And because of that, um, I ha- I give them a good chance to get out of this group. Um, that game against obviously Croatia, they are on the, the back end of their, of their, um, their, their what do, you, what do you call it their um golden golden era um and albania is going to be tough as well but i think both of them can be had uh with a good setup a strong midfield finding finally a, a goal scoring attacker attackers but particularly the striker position which we've we've lacked for many many years um and then obviously a solid defense i think spalletti can, can right the ship and get us prepared Top eight should be or finishing in uh in the round of eight should be the goal. I agree with that. Once you get to knockouts, as you mentioned, anything can happen. We've seen, you know, Greece, what they won 2004, a team that had like uh, the nobody as true Cinderella, and they came in and what they will beat for Portugal in the final there. So anything is possible in the knockouts. Get to the knockouts. That's the main goal. Defense wins championship. If they can find a way to make this defense back to uh, something something strong and with the attacking power, attacking talent that they have, this team has a chance. But uh, again, it's I trust Bellotti, Um, and I'm glad that the, game, the tournament starts in six months, not six weeks. I'll run down real quick. Uh, come back to Albania here real quick. I'll run down the players that are pl- currently in City A or have City A or at least playing in Italy, I should say. Okay. Uh, uh, Etri Padisha, goalkeeper for yeah. Empoli. Sercosha, who used to, yeah, Sercosha, who used to play mm-hmm. uh, for Lazio. Uh, you even have in that goalkeeper camp Elhan Castrati, who's playing for Cittadella um, over in Serie B. Uh, go a little bit further up, uh, look at the defenders. Ad- Ardian Ismaili, Berachim uh-huh. City of Atalanta. Mm-hmm. We've heard of him. Yep. Elside Hustai and Marash Kambula of Roma. Yep. Uh, you get into the midfield. Um, Barami, we talked about Aslani from Inter. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, uh, Ramadani of Lecce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those guys are all are all in the camp. And then forwards, um, you know, I believe uh, Chuni, uh, Chuni from Frosinone. Oh is yeah, in this team. yeah. And then you've got Mirto Uzoni he has five goals for Getafe in La Liga. Uh, so decent team. Uh, yeah, it's it's a decent side. It's not somebody that you can just look at and automatically assume uh, easy win. No. Okay. Um, yeah. So we look at the guys that have been performing, or looking. Yeah, Lamin Yamal. We talked about Ferran Torres, Asensio, Marate, Hosolu, uh, who's having a good season for Real Madrid. Um, Rodrigo uh, yeah. from Real. Not, not Brazil. No, not Brazil's oh. Rodrigo. It's a different oh. Rodrigo. Oyer Thabal from uh, Real Sociedad, Ansu Fati, uh, Bryce Mendez having a nice season. I believe he's 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 not listed in here. Maybe he's not. Oh no, he's not. I don't think he's Spain. <laughs> um, forgive me. Uh, Rodri, forgot about him. Nico Williams yeah. over at Athletic Bilbao. I mean, Fabian Ruiz, uh, Jeremy Pino, um, Alejandro Baena of uh, Villarreal. Yeah. Um, talent, talent. Rodrigo Rodrigo Riquelme, uh, uh, Sunset Sunset from uh, Athletic Bilbao. He's another one having a good season over there in La Liga. Just uh, just an embarrassment of riches in that team. And then you go and you look at Croatia. Um, we know we know about Luka Modric. Okay, we know about Ivan Perisic. 
uh, Andre Kramaric, Mario Pasolic, Nikola Vlasic, um, uh, Ante Budimiradosasuna is have is 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 doing decent. You go into that midfield, Kovacic from Man City, Perisic, uh, Brozovic who's playing in Saudi Arabia, but uh, you know Italy's going to be very familiar with him. Brekalo with with Fiorentina, Ivanushets who's now with Feyenoord. Uh-huh. Um, uh, who is still a Dinamo Zagreb. Watch for Baturina. I think he's a, he's not going to crack this Croatia lineup with all the veteran talent, but this is, he's a young player that mm-hmm. is going to find work with a better club and in a bigger league. Um, and then you go to the defense: Pongracic, uh, Lecce player; uh, Borona Barisic from Rangers; Borona Sosa from Ajax; um, Vardol from City; Erlich from Sassuolo. Sutolo, who has some experience in Serie A. So a lot of Serie A links here. Um, It's it's a star-studded group. Um, You know, it is is a star-studded group, and it's going to present some challenges. Well, we we already talked about where we think the Azuri are going to fall. Who do you, you know, just seeing seeing the draw and knowing the teams that are involved, who do you feel are the early favorites in this tournament? Spain's got to be up there, right? Uh, Spain's up there. Um, let me just pull up England. England, England has to be up there. Um, I think England got a favorable group. Um, there's no, there's no denying that. The Dutchies, um, I would, I would not be shocked by the Dutchies, but obviously France are going to be one of the top favorites. <coughs> let's see here. Uh, I look at Group A. Germany being the hosts, they're going to have an advantage. Um, right one. <laughs> you know, certainly in a, certainly in a winnable group there. I, I think France. It's pretty straightforward for them. This is a Netherlands that's managed by Ronald Koeman, and I'm just not sold. Um, Austria is an interesting proposition in that group with Ranić. He's got yeah. them playing better. Yeah. Um, and you got to look out for you've got to look out for Portugal too. Um, I would probably tip France as the favorite. I just I I think first of all they're going to have they're going to have the best player in this tournament. Um. In Kylian Mbappe, and then they've just got loads of depth behind him. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, you know, they're deeper than Spain, and they named all those names on Spain. I know. Uh, so from from goalkeeper all the throw, they they have depth in every every. I mean, depth and talent and superstar power, like every level. It seems like it's ridiculous. I think France could build at least two national team squads yeah. that could play in this competition and go yeah. deep. Yeah. So that's how good that's how good they are. So Ronaldo's um, last dance in Portugal, yeah. It doesn't matter to me as much. Um, yeah, not a favor, but you know you never know with them, right? You never you you never do know. So and we just got to wait and see what these who these playoff winners are and uh, how they help help shape all this up. But it's it's gonna be a great tournament. The Euros are always fun. Yeah. So, um, but right now I think you've got to back France to win this thing. Um, just on talent, what they're going to be able to bring to the table. Yep, hundred percent. All right, so Locatelli, Barella, and Fratesi midfield can go toe to toe with Spain. Eee. Maybe they're B team. I love Barella, but that's about it from that group. Spain's under twenty ones, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like those three players, but you know, I think. That's what you have to have their best midfield to compete with Spain. Um, yeah, no, no disrespect to to the Azuri, but that's a good team there. Just somebody tell 
Spalletti not to play Cristante in that game. The disaster waiting to happen. So. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's wrap this up with the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Yes, uh, kick things off. So uh, Dennis Darko started off with this tweet that says, uh, 1,000% Italian cuisine is below average. However, they have great marketing. So uh, our friend Adriano Del Monte says, uh, can Syria borrow this marketing team for a few years, please? Italian food is only good because of the great marketing. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Where is Dennis Darko smoking? Can I have? Oh, and that's um, yeah, and that was from this uh, senior Izzle who said we need to have an uncomfortable conversation about Italian food. Yeah, yeah, um, and it just snowballed, and yeah, uh, a lot of people had their shots. A lot of people took their shots at her show because she was coming from London, and they were taking pictures of beans on toast. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, no, I, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, that's a, she should take the L on that one, but enough people, <laughs> apparently enough people follow it. Oh um, man. Who scored.com Nicola Zaniolo's player characteristics strengths player has no significant strength. <laughs> Weaknesses. Weakness holding onto the ball, passing aerial duels, finishing, crossing defensive contribution and discipline. What about betting? Actually, don't have a hard time with any of that. It's just so funny. It's like player has no significant strengths. <laughs> like, well, oh my God. He can run really fast. That's yeah, about he's it. Got pace. He's got pace. Nice tattoos. Well, I don't know if that's his strength. <laughs> it's not for, it doesn't do anything for me. Oh, but that is a funny tweet. I mean, I like a lot of hate for it, uh, for that tweet, but I just think it's funny, you know, whether I believe him or not, um, it's just so funny tweet to me. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of funny tweets, uh, Big Show, of course, gets involved. He says, uh, Arsenal won an intern in the round of 16, but they're struggling against a team called Luttentown. <laughs> Four three today. Uh, sorry, Bob Lex, if you're if you're watching or listening, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was a 97th minute winner by Declan Rice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um Okay, so Troll Football saying how to score against Onana, just shoot our friend Matteo Benetti saying Stefano Pioli's fault. Matteo Benetti is on a Stefano Pioli's fault retweet campaign. Uh, yes, right he is. Now. It's amazing. And it's funny, and it's actually funny every time he does it. It hasn't been not funny yet. Yeah, yeah. Anthony makes a good point, too. Zaniolo's strength is betting. <laughs> yeah, fair point. But yeah, Bonetti's been on not- a tear. Bonetti's been on a tear saying everything's Pioli's fault. It's great. <laughs> Yep, Benetti. Yeah, yeah. He's outdone yeah. you. He's outdone you. <laughs> you know, all I've sat there. I was, you know, what did I do after the Borussia Dortmund? It's not I did. So, so it's Stefano Pioli's fault that Giroud missed that penalty and Calabria. Yeah, I, I think I I have a tweet back there. So, anyway. <laughs> Oh, moving on. Um, so the original tweet was Juventus saying, uh, the club is farewell to dear Juventus friend and true Italian football fan, Henry Kissinger. And the tweet from AFC Beef says, uh, this is like when Ben Laden was an Arsenal fan. Oh <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> who are you? Who's your winner in this one? Uh, oh, my. Not many choices, but there's some good ones. Some good ones. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, 
I think we're going to go with Bonetti. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying his rants on uh, everything's Pioli's fault. So uh, as a result, a cumulative result, he wins. Yeah, it's a body of work performance. Yeah, yeah. Lifetime achievement. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's our Who Won Couch at Twitter for this week. Uh, thank you for everyone who's nominated or, uh, or tagged people in those. Uh, just use the hashtag who on couch your Twitter uh, so we can vote on them. Nothing, um, nothing offensive or uh, mean spirited, or we won't, we will not Agreed. read those. Uh, while you do that, I'm gonna do a shout out. Uh, shout out again. I well, want to couch you with Reno. Reno was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still on. Uh, had him on last week on the show. Julian, a couch you with Julian as well. Shout out to both of them. Follow both of them. Um, uh, great guys there talking about uh, their t- their respective teams, and then Julian obviously talks a lot of different couch. Julian um, Reno does as well. Shout out to the, the UK fan club, Alecha UK fan club. Uh, uh, both, um, oh my gosh, uh, uh, the boys' names are escaping me now. But uh, we did an interview with them. It, it's on the uh, it's on our YouTube page, so go check that out. We'll, we'll send it out as a as a podcast as well. Just Alecha so Alecha uh, fans UK. Yeah. Will, yeah. Will, and Zach, Will and Zach. Will and Zach. Thank you. Yeah, you were you were yeah. struggling the other day with it. Now I'm struggling with it, man. It's just uh, all well, day discussion. You know, I, you know, and and I mean, you're you're just you're just shitting on them ever since the interview. I don't know what they ever did to you. You you you, you leave out you leave out Udan in the goal of the week last week, and now you don't remember their names. <laughs> I'm just slipping, man. I just got to retire. So I don't know, man. I don't know. But shout out to them. Shout oh, out to them. Man. Follow them on Instagram. Yep. Uh yeah, so that's that's all my shout outs for this week. Wonderful, wonderful. I want to give a shout out to the chat. You guys are awesome. Oh yeah. Thank amazing. you all again. Uh as always for uh for, for chiming in, giving your takes and uh giving us some insightful things to come in and talk about. It's not like you guys are just coming in here and spitting opinions. You're giving some very interesting things to talk about. So uh so we, we appreciate that. Keep doing what you do. Uh, City I Sit Down, we are putting a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down at this point. Uh, we are on, uh, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there is podcasts, there is City I Sit Down. Uh, here on the YouTube channel, if you're watching this for the first time uh, and enjoyed what you saw, please subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, drop a like. We certainly appreciate that. And most importantly, hit that notification bell so you know when we go on live. If you want to catch us live on the YouTube channel, if you're listening to us on one of the podcast spaces uh, and you want to catch us live and jump into the chat like all of these wonderful people do, um, we are generally on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, here on the YouTube channel. We will give you a notice if we're going to go on on a different day during a particular week, if schedules uh, prohibit us from being on at that time. But that is kind of our sweet spot where you can catch us. So we certainly hope to have you uh, joining us at some point and uh, checking in with us. So uh, so please do that. The more the merrier. So um, at City I Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. Those are the socials. Uh, he is Richard is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. I'm at FTC underscore 21. Any other promotionals that we got? Uh, no, we just we, we, uh, you probably saw a bunch of tweets of us uh, hooking up with fanatics to give out some uh, discounts on some uh, yep. great merchandise. Look for more of that as uh, as the holidays roll around with a lot of good couch, good good discounts as well. So uh, yeah, shout out to fanatics for that. Wonderful, yeah. Thank you very much, guys, over at Fanatics. Most definitely. So uh, we will see you all 
next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, we will have uh, a little bit of uh, understanding of what's going on with Champions League by that time, too. And City so, A little bit. And City A. Yep, we have some big games. We have Napoli, Juventus. We've got Atalanta, Milan. What else do we have next week? I think Fiorentina, Roma. There's a, there's a lot of good games next weekend, yes. actually. It's going to be a big, big week. So we're looking forward to uh, uh, reconvening with you all and uh, recapping all of it. So until then, uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. This has been City I Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. And as always, be sure to tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Come on, come on,